What's up, guys? I'm Baron Baptiste. I'm here with my good friend, David Masters. This is the show for disrupting the drift. Real talk from the heart, our hearts to yours. We're here disrupting the deception, the lies, the things that underlie life, that the underliers that whisper to us in lies. And when we buy into them, they disempower us. They have us just dis drift along in deception. So we're here waking things up, waking you up as we wake up. David, good to be here with you. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And I just want to remind everyone, Please make sure to subscribe to the podcast or the channel, whatever you're watching or listening to. Uh, get involved. Please send in questions to us. Uh, you could send in questions to disrupting the drift at baronbaptiste.com. You could also uh, share the show. If you get some kind of value from the show, please share the show. That's how we fulfill on our mission and, and um, what we're up to in life. Our purpose is to make a difference, to be a contribution to each and every one of you. And if you share the show, you can pay it forward. But uh, get involved, will you? There's a, a story here I thought I'd pull up. It's about these monks. Did you hear about these uh, Buddhist monks? I did. Mm-hmm. It's an amazing story, actually. They got caught, man. They got a, a drug test. They got drug tested, took a urine test. They all failed at this one Buddhist temple. The headline, this is Vice World News, Buddhist temple left without monks after they all test positive for meth. Oh my goodness. They were, they were uh, practicing methitation, sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> they were not mething around with their enlightenment. <laughs> I mean, it's tragic, and then it's also a cosmic kind of joke, huh? Well, it's totally methed up, but what do I know? <laughs> they, methed, they methed up their enlightenment <laughs> pathway, that's they for did. sure. Yeah. And uh, so here's the story. It says, it follows a string of criminal scandals involving monks in Thailand, where authorities are reporting record-breaking quantities of synthetic drugs. The monks, including the head abbot, were sent to rehab after failing a urine test. A small Buddhist temple's entire abbey of monks was defrocked, dismissed, and sent to rehab this week after every one of them tested positive for methamphetamine. All four monks at a temple in Pechabun province, Bung Sam Phan district in central Thailand were forced by police to take urine tests on Monday. All four of them, including the head abbot, failed. Yeah, the monks were subsequently sent to a health clinic to undergo drug re rehab, leaving the temple without holy men and raising concerns among local worshipers that they wouldn't be able to conduct merit making, that is, donating food to monks as a good deed. Ah, oh, so the parishioners, the worshipers, were concerned about themselves not being able to make merit making, which is donating food to the monks is a good deed. But what if your monks are doing dirty deeds like smoking meth? Do the merit-making efforts still count 
especially once you know they've they've been violating their ethics and their morals and just well it's not a good look for a monk to be smoking meth right what do you think you know there there have been um there have been a lot of people throughout history that have put on a good face and the entire thing is designed to manipulate outcomes and you know a person who is charged with moral duties i don't care what religion you're in they're going to face the same temptations as every other human being if not more because think of it you you do nothing literally you you i mean how do you become a monk well you you have to study and you have to you know devote your life shave your head do whatever you have to do in other words you have to get involved in a very outcome based procedure of living your life and i got to tell you that would personally kill me um because i'm not a, an outcome based procedure person i have to actually live every single day of my life to the fullest and i have to break all the rules i guess for my own self you know i have to get out there and i have to challenge myself every day if you're not living a challenged life if you're not getting out there and confronting the world and you know going head to head with i guess you might call it evil because there's a lot of evil in the world if you're not actually doing what is necessary to actually make a contribution to the world then what you're doing is you're just like a flea living off the back of a dog and in my opinion that drives people to drugs it really does so that's my sort of initial reaction yeah it's um i can see the 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 monkhood living in a protected environment like that is um it's almost the equivalent of a um you know like a greenhouse where you can grow beautiful flowers and things that are in a very protected environment but you put them outside of that environment and they wither real quick they just wither and and fall apart it's such a comfort kind of zone so as we speak a lot about a, quite a bit on the show we speak about the dangers of a comfort zone living into a comfort zone and then what defaults is uh weird addictions weird temptations weird habitual patterns that sabotage life your life your confidence your potential uh reading a little further here it says in march luang pu tuang chai a monk who rose to fame after claiming to have omniscient powers was charged with drunk driving and drug possession and subsequently disrobed after police found him carrying dozens of methamphetamine pills earlier in january another monk was similarly disrobed after being caught consuming methamphetamine pills and selling them to local youths boy these guys are gangsters huh they're like bad actors bad acting buddhists if you think about it what was the forbidden fruit in the garden of eden it was a fruit of omniscience it was a, a fruit of all knowing and i've never used those kinds of drugs uh, you know the worst i've ever done is it's smoke some um wacky tobacco back when i was a teenager but you know i can see how the methamphetamine would release a sort of pseudo omniscience which means you could actually come to a conclusion that you know everything while you're high so i you know i i see that that might be a continuation of the pursuit 
mm-hmm. of the Godhead, which is, isn't that what Buddhism is really all about, is it is attaining to the Godhead? Uh, yes, I believe so. But I think when you, ever add, when you add an ism on the end of anything, it becomes a, a generality. It becomes mm-hmm. something that is you know, more maybe of a, a generalized belief or concept. And so mm-hmm. you know, I don't think Buddha taught Buddhism in the same way that I don't think Jesus taught Christianity, right? Like Jesus, you never mentioned the word Christianity. Like it didn't exist, no. right? Um, mm-hmm. It's just Christ. Uh, and then, you know, people make it into something else. They make these prophets or these saviors or these leaders, mystics, into deities. So they make them into gods, and then they become the the human ego takes over at that point. And then, yes. to your point, okay, uh, well, why not get high? I mean, my ego loves getting high. I mean, I, I'm not, my ego, I, I actually don't like getting high. I don't like disassociating from myself. I don't like that feeling at all. Totally agree. Yeah. yeah I, I don't drink. I don't do anything. I'm just, I'm just here. <laughs> yeah. You're, you're good. I, uh, I drink a little bit of alcohol here and there, but, um, not a lot, but I, I cannot do the pot or the anything else because nothing else. Like it just, anything to make myself high, it's like, that's just an ego experience that takes me away from being having my feet on the floor, my eyes open, like awake, awake and here now. Let's talk about this for a minute, because, you know, if you are in tune with actual reality and you're, you're sort of grounded in reality, um, to me, that is where you achieve actual harmony with the world that you live in. Because if you're outside of the realm of reality, you're also outside of your connection to the source of that reality. And therefore you have a degree of conflict and anxiety. And if you think about it, you know, unless there is a a sort of end game in any practice or any study or any religion, if the end game is to have more knowledge and become greater through knowledge than what's wrong with having knowledge uh, obtained through methamphetamine or any other psychedelic experience. But if your if your aim is to get centered and be in the actual now moment and live in the in the p- fullest manifestation of living in the moment in relationship to the source of the moment then you're going to derive a tremendous amount of satisfaction and sense of well-being and a sense of purpose in that. And you don't need the other things. As a matter of fact, as you say, I don't like, I don't drink. I can't because it gives me a headache. So there's that one. That's out the door. I don't have any attraction to using drugs because I don't want to disassociate from where I am right now. I've, I've actually spent my whole life trying to get here. I don't want to go anywhere else. I want to be here now. I want to be where I am. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, I mean, I've spent my life trying to be in the present. Practicing the present in the present moment. Why would I want to now depart? It took me this long (laughs) to to enter the here. Why would I want to put, why would I walk out the exit door? Yeah, I got it. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. Um, Let me finish, complete this article here. It says, the ultimate goal of Buddhism is for the people to get enlightened, said Samboon. Chung Kampri, a social activist and executive secretary of the International Network of Engaged Buddhists. But 
most of the society is learning that not all those who are wearing saffron can be a holy or respectable person. Yeah, it's so true. You know, it's you you can look at almost any religion, right? I mean, you see the the fall of um, you know, mini- Christian ministers, Catholic priests, you see uh oh, I mean, look at the you know, the yoga the yoga guru guys in their orange robes. Most of those guys are uh, I don't know, corrupt. There are a few good ones, but most of them, they're not wearing any underwear under that orange robe. And I wouldn't trust, uh, you know, that smile they have on their face is, is like the cat that just ate the canary. Yes. You walk into the room and there's the cat. I know something of, you don't know. Uh-huh, and there's still some feathers floating around <laughs> in the air. Uh-huh. That's funny. Uh-huh. And I think Buddhists, you know, I've seen it a lot. You know, there's a pretentiousness in Western Buddhism that a lot of the Buddhists in my experience in the West here are, are it, it, more hypocritical than the hypocritical Christians or just as good at, at being a hypocrite. Yeah. Super pretentious, better than, judgmental. Not all. Not all. Of course, not all, not all, not all. But I'd say eh, the majority, I, I'm not sold on it. I'm not sold on religion in general, so I'm giving my opinion from look if you have a if you're a religious person, power to you, but uh, I love Jesus, the man, not I'm not so much about Christianity, the religion. Uh I can appreciate Buddha and directly like some of those practices. I don't know. The guys in orange robes kind of questionable, kind of they're no better than any of the rest of us. That's that's what I say. Isn't isn't Buddha an incarnation of Siddhartha? Yeah, same. I believe same person. Siddhartha was his early life. His early life, and his early life was the son of a. Yeah, he was a prince. He was a son of a king. He's he he royal. Of a king. Yeah, and he lived in a state of absolute and complete opulence. Right? Completely, like Moses. And he yeah. lived in a compound where he was separate from the real actual world he lived in total and complete protection a protective bubble yeah he'd never seen poverty the first time he ventured out i think he maybe even snuck out when he was uh maybe even in his 20s or i'm not sure if his late teens and he saw you know homeless people or begging people he saw prostitutes he saw you know how people live poverty and suffering and he was blown away he didn't even know that world existed he was so protected his whole life. And now, if you think about it objectively, a person that comes from a place of, of total opulence discovers the suffering of the world. And in a manner of speaking, what he wanted to do was teach people how to transcend or rise above the suffering of the world. But he had to go out into the world and suffer first. It's a very interesting story in a lot of ways because... See, in, in, in Eastern and Western religions, um, enlightenment is different than it is in Buddhism. Buddhism it, it is defined as a final, blessed state marked by the absence of desire or suffering. Nirvana, yeah. See? I think yogis have it similar. Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think it's very interesting because I think that it, I've seen actually the story of Buddha and it was a noble, there was a nobility in him as in the early stages of his teachings that he wanted to find a way to help people transcend 
the suffering of the world that they lived in. That was his main focus when he was young. Then they then they turned him into a deity, which I don't think he ever desired at all. But again, this is what happens when you take a human being and you deify them. Jesus would never wanted to be a deity either, and there are the same kinds of people that deified Jesus at the, in the same way. And what, what, what is the point of deifying a human being? Well, it is to endow a person with the ability or the belief that they have the ability to take away your suffering. And so if you follow that path to its logical conclusion, a human being is no different than any other human being. Jesus, on the other side of the equation, was supposedly the product of an immaculate birth, the son of, uh, the son of God, and had the power to take away the suffering of sins and even the sting of death, not so much with a person in the incarnation of Buddha, which was he was simply trying to help them live meaningful lives that were free from the kind of suffering that the average person had no way of escaping. So I think there's a very interesting parallel there in a mm -hmm. lot of ways. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're speaking almost to like salvation in contrast to enlight just enlightenment or something. Right. Nirvana, which means the state of... of of bliss, but I don't. I don't even know if that, if that state actually exists, honestly. Well, I mean, I know like growing up, I, I went to India a few times with my parents, and they would kind of go to different ashrams, and I would kind of get dragged along. And um, but you'd see all these like Westerners, you know, worshiping the the Indian guru up there and his orb woman in their saffron robe, and it's like the glazed eyed devotees, and they're all chasing this state of nirvana they're all chasing this perfect state of enlightenment and inevitably what you see is they don't arrive but the guru up there is holding out that they've arrived in nirvana mm -hmm. and perfect mm -hmm. peace and you know all of that and maybe some have i don't know but most of them when you get yeah behind or underneath that orange saffron robe <laughs> they're wearing underwear or no underwear just like you and i they're um you know they they put one leg in their pant you know one leg into their pants at a time one shoe on at a time they have to button down their shirt they have to brush their teeth you know they get burned by fire or hot water uh they you know get attacked they get mud slung at them you know, there's an interesting documentary I saw about Yogananda. When I was in my early 20s, I went and spent some time in his ashram up in um, San Diego Hills. It was a men's ashram, and it's like in silence, and you work in the fields all day growing herbs and like that. And I, I did that. I went there a couple of times. But, and, and you sit there, you meditate for like, you know, early in the morning for a few hours, late at night. At lunch break, you meditate for 45 minutes. You do a lot of that, but you're sitting there meditating to these gurus, the pictures of them up on the wall. And, um, and it's very interesting because I didn't know I was seeking something, but what is sold, what they're selling is this state of nirvana and enlightenment. You just have to meditate harder. You have to meditate longer. You have to get the technique, the breathing, the pranayama technique to perfection you have to be able to hold your breath retention, uh, energy retention, whatever that means. Moving energy up, trying to spark and awaken your 
pituitary gland, your third eye, your, uh, you know, and it's all like using manipulation of chemistry. Uh, it's, you know, this kind of then faith factor where you're believing in these deities, these gurus as kind of gods. And, but what you see is like, you don't really wake up. You don't really, I mean, having gone through that experience, it's interesting because I I don't know that I got much from it, but other than it was like, "Mm, no, not that. No, not, that's not the way. No, that ain't right. I tested that out and it's like, no, that didn't have real results for me. Not like real. And, um, and then there's a, you know, this is my, why I started sharing this. There's a, a film I, on Netflix maybe, or, or Amazon Prime about Yogananda's life. And it, it really shows more of his human side that you don't see on the public side or his followers. You don't, you've never really seen, but on the backside, him struggling with bad media, with people trying to tear him down and how he was personally broken you know, he escaped to India. He never wanted to come back to America. He wanted to run away from his, you know, the churches he built and the whole organization he built. And he was just grappling with it all more like a human being. But that was never presented up front, you know, in the teachings. It's more like he's the guru who's found perfect nirvana and he can disappear at will. He can appear at will. He, you know, all of it. <laughs> is mastered life and energy is mastered a mystical person uh-huh it's actually not <laughs> yes. mm-hmm. yeah exactly yeah. i think that's absolutely fascinating for a lot of reasons because one of the main focuses of buddhism is in enlightenment right now i'm looking at the word uh the adjective of enlightenment it means freed from ignorance and misinformation Okay, and I think this is what Buddha initially set out to do, is free people from ignorance and the misinformation that was shaping their lives. The second uh, adjective is based on full comprehension of the problems involved. Oh, that's another whole different issue then, because when you comprehend what's really going on, you're more inclined to be able to say, oh, I know what to do, or the flip side of that is, I know what not to do now. You see, you've actually comprehended the problems that are involved. To give you an analogy, I helped to build a big media company. You, you know about it. One day we had a meeting and the, one of the uppers called me in and said, look, we need you to work harder. Okay, I was already working 12 to 13 to 14 hours a day, producing four radio programs, three hours long each. I was doing a great job. And I, and I, I, I yelled at him. I, I yelled an explanation at him. I said, F you. And I'll, here's why I say that. Because if, you, if I had a bicycle and you said to me, David, we need you to pedal faster, that would be possible. I said, I am not capable of working harder or better than I am right now. We all have limitations as human beings. And to try to, to literally blast through what it means to be a human You have to find something that is superhuman or extra human or metaphysical. And if you don't find that, you're never going to escape the human aspect of who you are. You may be able to ride another mile an hour faster. You may, you know, on a bicycle, you may be able to do certain things better, but there's a certain point at which you can't go any further 
you're doing as much as you can possibly do. And I think the same thing is true with, with any kind of religion, is that if a person holds out that they have gone beyond what everybody else has to go to, in other words, I'm here and everybody else is over here, you're still down here, I'm way up here, that person is a liar. Yeah, very good. Anyone who puts themselves above you or beneath you, just step back. And, you know, I'm always about not being someone who I don't put myself above another or others. I don't put myself beneath another or others. Uh, I mean, with the exception of if it was like a Jesus, uh, the man I would, you know, in all humility, I can recognize the greatness uh, and spirit and, and be humbled by that and be moved and touched by that. But most people, David, like you and I, I think it's uh, the ability to stand eye to eye, shoulder to shoulder. And if uh, you're shorter than they are, just uh, <laughs> elevate yourself, right, in spirit. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Really good. Anything else before we uh, wrap up right here? No, just just set your goals reasonably. You know, don't 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 get involved with people that tell you that they are enlightened, because as you talked about the uh, the the Yogananda, that he was struggling and and he had to keep it from everybody. He had to conceal the truth of his life, which was a life of pretty much a life of suffering. You know, everybody's going to go through suffering. Very good, you all. Thank you for being with us. Share the show if you got some value today. Please share the show. We enjoy being here with you. And uh, until next time, thank you, David. Peace out.